we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Would you just come now and just calm our hearts and minds? Would you help us to just take captive every anxious thought this morning? We welcome you to just come and have your way. Thank you that you promised to be in our midst when we gather and when we worship you. So as we lift our hearts and our voices, all of our cares and concerns to you, God, would you meet us with your presence, with your power to break chains and set us free. We want to draw near to you this morning, experience your holiness and goodness, your grace and your mercy. So we worship you this morning.
There's one psalm where he's like, you are good, God. And the next one, he's like, Lord, I am in the pit. My enemies are surrounding me. Where are you? Right? So I don't think God's afraid of our doubts. But I think he encourages us to bring our doubts to him. To be honest with him about where we're at. And to cry out to him from the pit. And invite his rescue. And to believe that he is faithful and he will pull us out. I just want you to know that I have moments even today where I struggle with a battle is happening in my own mind. Do I believe he's good this morning? Do I believe he's never going to let me down? I just want you to know you're not alone if you're in that space today. And there's, there's room for that here. For you to say, God, I'm hurting this morning. I do feel like 
I need breakthrough in an area I've been crying out and praying and asking and begging for a change, and I haven't seen it yet. He welcomes us to call out to him. With our broken hearts, he's near to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. So if you're crushed in spirit this morning, guess what? He's near to you. So lean in to him this morning. I'm leaning in with you. Even as my own soul sometimes has doubts and questions, I trust that he is good. I trust that he is faithful. Thank you, Lord. We lean into you, God. Because you're higher than the mountains that I face. And you're stronger than the power of the grave. You're constant in the trial and the change. This one thing
that you love us, Lord. <laughs> Thank you that you are thinking about us this very moment. Your love is very real, very present. I pray that uh, every person would experience that. Maybe some for the first time experiencing your love in a real profound and obvious way, Lord God. For those who are hurting today, we pray, God, that uh, you would just show yourself faithful. Thank you that you do that, Lord. God, we are humbled by your presence. I love it, Lord, that when we feel the least deserving, you show up with your great love. <laughs> I think we see that throughout the scripture. Uh, this thinking about that woman with the issue of blood, just sick her whole life and unclean, feeling just outside and unwelcome and unloved. But yet if she, she knew that if she just could push through, press through and touch the hem of your garment, that something might happen <laughs> and something did happen the power of God that went out from Jesus' body that flooded her life, changed her forever. She experienced love from Jesus, grace from Jesus, power from Jesus. And, and she was no longer an outcast, no longer unclean, no longer sick, but she was brand new in Jesus' name. I pray for each of us, Lord, that we'd be brand new in Jesus' name. Be brand new in Jesus' name, Lord God. Whatever it is that we're up against, have been up against, have dealt with, have uh, failed in, Lord God, we are in you now, and that's what matters, Lord God. So if you're here today and you, you, you need Jesus, just call out to him. He's as near as your next breath, your next word. If you call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved welcomed into his family and loved unconditionally and wonderfully so. Let Jesus know that you need him and that you want him and, and then welcome him into your life. Maybe you need to welcome him into your life afresh today because circumstantially you've been distant from him or uh, even as Cheryl Lynn talked about, maybe disappointed, disgruntled, welcome him in, welcome him back into your life. He promises never to leave you, never forsake you. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for this time, Lord. Bless the word, we pray. Bless it to our spirits, Lord, and bless it to our minds, and bless it to our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Thanks, team. Appreciate that very much. Very powerful word. Uh, we're continuing our study on faith today, so the uh, title of the message is Faith Believes God is Sovereign. And so in light of those things, I'm going to talk about a couple things in light of the fact that we believe as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is sovereign, that God is sovereign. That simply means He's the supreme ruler over all things. That means nothing is outside of His control, nothing is outside of His realm to influence, to direct, and uh, so we're asking God to do a couple things today. Um, 
Uh, we're, I'll be talking to you about our new space at 102 West Branch, one minute walk from here. Um, it's the old something different building. Before that, it was the wardrobe building. Before that, it was the Bank of America back to 1952 when it was built. And so uh, we're in the process of um, kind of navigating some stuff with the city right now. So this is what I want you to pray about specifically. Remember, I've said, hey, can we pray every day, like every day? For this process, because things just come up and we need to pray through the process. And so the hurdle that we're up against now is a hurdle that I thought we had squared away. It was the parking hurdle because um, the city needs to make sure there's enough parking for that new space over there. They're saying, hey, you need to come up with 60 parking spaces. And so we thought we had it remedied with parking, the parking lot across the street. But now they're saying that shared parking on Sunday morning. So anyway, I have gone back and forth with the city no less than like 20 times, and um, I'm a bit exasperated at this point. I don't know if you've ever ever been there. So I wrote an email to the city. I prayed about it first. I said, Lord, (laughs) what do I do? Like, what's next, right? So I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord. So this is me typing an email. So I said, Patrick, he's our planner. Good guy, by the way. Very good guy. Um... This parking situation is getting ridiculous, period. (laughs) The truth is, I said, I'm still typing my email. I said, the truth is our people who will be attending Sunday morning services will be parking where they have been parking for the last 16 years at our spot at 124 West Branch, which is this place here, and at the Village Center. Um, The Village Center has given us parking on Sunday mornings for free for the last 16 years. So I said, the truth is, that's where our people will be parking. So there's not actually a real need for additional parking. So I'm asking that you guys would reconsider and think through your position because with a simple decision from the city, we can move past this and get moving with our project. So I said, sincerely, Steve. (laughs) And, uh, so a few hours go by, and I don't, I don't hear from Patrick, and, and then so I'm like, maybe, maybe I overstepped. <laughs> but I prayed, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm okay. So, and I was gracious. I wasn't angry in the email. I wasn't, I was gracious. I, I was gracious. Um, so he responds back, Steve, I totally understand you're, that you're frustrated with this situation. He said, I'm going to call a meeting with the city managers on Monday, that's tomorrow, so that we can try to navigate this with you for you so that you can so we can move past this. And so with that, I want us to pray together today um, that God would open the door for that. One of our partner ministries, a ministry that we partner is Coastal Christian School. They're also up against a situation with their facility, and they're asking that people sign a petition. So this petition is actually available out there at the Welcome Center. It's a petition to uh, approve an expansion of their conditional use permit, which allows them to put in a, a gym on their property and multi-purpose buildings and that sort of thing. So um, we're going to pray for them, and I'm going to ask you to go out and sign. They're, they're looking for a 1,000 signatures from churches across the Central Coast, which I don't think will be a problem at all. Um, but if you can sign the petition and then pray for them as well, that would be great. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and stand up. This is what I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to ask that um, you would pray for CCS and pray for the parking meeting tomorrow for Harvest Church. And, um, and I'm going to ask that you would come up here and do it. So come up to Vox 1. Is Vox 1 on? 
this is box one, by the way. Box one. So there it is. So uh, if you're in the campus somewhere else, like at the loft or in the on the patio, and you'd like to come pray, I'd like people to come and pray into the microphone, into the screen, so that people at the rest of the campus can see what we're doing and see online and know what we're going, know what's going on. Otherwise, it's just kind of a dead noise, um, and people can't hear what's going on. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to invite you guys to come up and pray into the microphone on the platform. And nothing to be worried about. The World Wide Web will be recording everything that you say. And everybody who's watching online will be ridiculing and criticizing or critiquing your prayer. No, I'm just kidding. They will be praying with you in agreement with your prayer. So as I pray, I want to invite you guys to come up forward, come forward and, and do the same thing. We're just going to take a few minutes to pray and, and just trust the Lord here. So Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name for Coastal Christian School. We pray that they would get their thousand signatures on their petition. And beyond that, that they would get their uh, approval for their conditional use permit to add to their campus so that they can have the space that they need and uh, be able to expand as their their capacity, the, the number of students that they have, I think, has doubled in the last year. And so they're in desperate need of more space. And so we pray that you bless them with more space, with resources to build on their current property and blessings from the city and the county, Lord God. So take care of them, we pray, Lord. And we pray for this meeting tomorrow with the city managers, um, whoever they may be. I I don't know who is all going to be involved in the meeting, but for this meet, this parking meeting tomorrow, we pray to God that you would remedy that for us in Jesus' name. We pray that you would give us favor, that you would go before us, God, that you would open the doors and, and um, uh, just, just pave the way for us to move forward with our project, Lord God. And as we have a new architect on the, on the project, Lord, we pray that you would bless him. God, they, his company would be able to turn the plans around quickly, Lord, that we'd be able to get uh, get those into the city and that the city would give us our building permits and we'd be able, be able to move forward with the plan, with the idea, the hope to be open by Christmas Eve, Lord. So we just pray for your wisdom. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you. Who else? Be bold. Come on up here. Don't make me wait. Just get up here. There we go, Gary Tucker. So, Gary, you got to stand right here up on the platform. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your word tells us there is nothing too hard for you. And you will do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. Lord, you are God Almighty as we sung this morning. And we pray you'd move the hearts of everybody involved, Lord, in this decision. And we trust, God, you're going to allow us to move forward. Lord, parking is nothing for you. You own the whole world, Lord. So we just pray, Father, that you would work it out and have them agree that uh, we're going to be able to still park where we have been parking, Lord. And we're trusting you for the rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Gary. Who else? Who else? Who else? Get up here. Don't make me. There we go. Come on up. You got a word for us too, David? Yes. All right. You got to speak into that, and then you got to read and then pray. Awesome. Cool. So, Lord, we just cling to your word right now, God, because we know that your promises are true. And so in John 14, 11 through 14, God, you say, believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
or at themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Father, we know that you say, ask and you shall receive, God. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open, God. We know that if we ask for a stone, you won't give us a serpent, God. So, Father, right now as your children, God, we just petition heaven saying, Lord, We know that you want to partner with us, God. We know you want to partner with us in the expansion of what you're doing here, God, because you know this is kingdom business, God. So, Father, we just commit this project to you. We already know it's in your hands, Lord, that you are the God of the impossible, Jesus. Father, we know that we've seen time and time again where things seemed impossible, that you came through, like, after the destruction of Solomon's temple, God, when it was unable to be built again, Lord, with the few workers and the few materials, you were the one who rebuilt it, God. So, Jesus, we trust this with you, God. We say this is nothing like the last guy. This is nothing for you, Father. We don't even break a sweat because we trust our Father. So, God, we thank you for the grace in the meeting tomorrow, God. We thank you that you would just move their hearts with your Holy Spirit, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Who's next? Who's next? Come on up here. Right. Diego, right there. There we go. Father, I just want to thank you for Harvest Campus. I want to thank you for Coastal Christian and the work that you've already done at each campus, Lord. And Father... Father, expansion is coming. It's your expansion, Lord. Father, I thank you again for the work that you've done. And Father, I thank you ahead of time that this expansion will come. I thank you ahead of time that your kingdom is coming. That your kingdom is expanding. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Sheila, come on up. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My heart is bubbling and full of joy because the city knows we're going to grow and they're worried about where are they going to put us. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father, that you are letting this town know that you are on the move. Lord God, I just praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people you're going to bring both here into Coastal Christian Academy. Praise your name, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any more? Anybody else? Linda, come on. <laughs> Why don't you stand right up here? There we go. Father God, I am just so excited because maybe the world sees this as a problem, but this is an answer to prayer because we have been praying that the work of harvest would go forth through the city, and it is and it has, and we keep growing and growing because of your grace, Lord God. And so we're not looking at this as a trial even, Lord, because this is part of the joy that we are experiencing because of your growth. And we know that you have answered our prayer 
and desires to continue to let us grow, Lord. And so we know that you're going to provide a way for us to expand. And so far, this is it, Lord. So we just stand in agreement together. Everyone right now who is praying, we stand in agreement against anything the enemy would try to do to prevent this from happening, Lord. We stand together. And you have told us where two or more are gathered. There you are in our midst, Lord. And Lord, we got a lot more than two or more here, Lord. So we stand together. We praise you. We honor you. And we say, Lord, bring the blessings. We receive it in your name. Amen. Amen. Joy, come on up. Thanks, Sheila. Or Linda. (laughs) Sheila's the other one. There you go, Joy. God, you are awesome. You are mighty. God, you are in control. We praise your name and we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to, God, to worship you and to grow our faith. God, would you, would you deepen our faith and root us in your love that our church would, um, would grow and be on fire for you. God, that this, this is so, this is so little as it, as as it's been mentioned before. God, this is so nothing this is just a drop in the bucket, but God, this is a way to grow our faith. And I pray that you would, you would grow us as a church. You would encourage us through this, that you would strengthen our pastors and, um, our elders and deacons through this, through this trial, God, that you, you're in control. God, you are unstoppable. This will not stop you or your word. So we praise your name now. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a round of applause here. Did I miss anybody? Does anybody else want to come up? Anybody? Anybody? All right. So my, my, my belief is that I'll come back next Sunday with a good report. So be seriously, be praying all week long, but especially today and tomorrow. I'm not sure what time the meeting is, but be praying and watch the Lord do what he's going to do. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you can be seated. There we go. You can be seated. God bless you guys. So, um, as I mentioned in the prayer, we've got a new architect. The, the original architect was great. Christian loves Jesus, but so busy. So she said, hey, I'm a couple months out before I can even get to it. So then I met another architect last Saturday, just by accident, kind of happenstance, if there's any such thing. And uh, he said, hey, I can turn this project around quickly. And uh, so he, I met, had a meeting with him and talked with the other architect and she said, yeah, if he can do it quicker, let him, let it, let him do it. And, um, so, um, he took it over and there it's in the works now. So now we're hoping to get some plans here in the next couple of weeks versus a couple of months. And then those plans go to the city for plan approval and for permit issuing. And so we're hoping that doesn't take three months. Like they're saying it could possibly take three months, but ultimately our plan is to be in the new kind of thought would be like Christmas Eve would be a great opportunity to have Christmas Eve service in there. So that's like six months away. It's already six months into this year. So time goes so incredibly fast. So in in the beginning, I was a little frustrated, but six months is quick. It's going to get there uh, before we know it. So be praying for God's timing, but then also God's provision. So all along, we've just said, if you feel like you want to be a part of it, then, uh, Hear, hear from the Lord and just be obedient. The price actually has, has gone up significantly. I don't know about you guys, but every time we do a remodel, the price goes from one number to another number. We, Jolene and I, we re- remodeled our house a couple of years ago, and the price doubled in the time of the remodel. When we re- remodeled this sanctuary 16 years ago, the price started out at like 35000 and went up to like $85,000. So 
We're looking probably closer to $225,000 for that remodel. Um, originally it was like 125, now it's probably closer to 225. Um, cost of materials, everything is high right now. If you've done any kind of building right now, you know everything is very, very expensive. And so, so, but we believe that God is faithful, just like he was when we did this project 16 years ago. We had 60 people in the church 16 years ago, and we did the project debt-free. Now we've got more than 10 times that, and we're believing for God to do the same thing. So if you'd like to join us and be a part of that, just, um, um, you know, be a part of what God is doing. God has been so faithful. I don't know if you guys realize God's faithfulness through your obedience. Um, the church, when we planted the church, um, our budget, literally our budget every month was $1,500 because we rented a little school and I was working full time and we had a worship leader that we gave a stipend to, but it was really like 1500 bucks a whole month. Like it took them. And we were like some months wondering if that was going to happen. Right. This, this year, um, we're watching God as he's been doing every year for the last 16 years, just increase what he provides for us this year. On average, we brought in $95,000 a month. So that's like, you know, our old budget, our original budget was 1500 for the month. Now it's bringing more than $3,000 every single day of the month. And so it's kind of interesting to see God's faithfulness. This last month was our, I think our biggest month ever. We brought in like $128,000. So, so God is respond. I share that to say that God is responding to the need and there's a big need. So if you'd like to be a part of that, um, then jump in, be a part of what, what God will do and watch what, what, how he blesses it. And, uh, anyway, with that, let's jump into Hebrews and continue to talk about faith. Amen. This will be, uh, we'll be wrapping up our faith study of Hebrews, uh, be weaving it into the messages going forward. But, um, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 through 40, um, as part of the examples of faith that we've been studying, we see one more story of God's faithfulness to his people of faith. So we pick it up in verse 35, and then we go into 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, and those closing verses of chapter 11 are pretty difficult. In fact, I didn't want to preach this message today because, like I said, Lord, I want to encourage the people with faith, and I don't want to discourage them with the last part of Hebrews 11. But there's there's a purpose in us communicating the whole counsel of God's word, and so we communicate the whole counsel of God's word because God uses the whole counsel of his word to instruct us and to grow us up in our most holy faith. And so as we get to the end of Hebrews 11, we're going to see examples of God's faithfulness to his people of faith that looks different than we might imagine. Like we so far, we've been studying about God's profound impact in the world because people of faith have stepped up we're going to actually see the people of God go under severe persecution for their faith, many of them giving their lives for their faith. And in the midst of that, we see the faithfulness of God. Because we don't carry just a temporal earthly perspective, we carry this eternal perspective where we believe that this life in the earth is important, but also what we do for eternity matters. And so we're living not just for this life, but for the life eternal as well. And so when we have that kind of perspective, it changes things. So the long game is that we don't live for this life alone, but for the one to come also even more so. 
But we'll get there in a few minutes. Let's look at Hebrews 11.35 as we wrap up this study of faith and God's faithfulness. So, so far, we've talked about all kinds of people, right? We've talked about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents. We've talked about Moses. We've talked about the people of Israel, Rahab, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've talked about Gideon. We've talked about all of these people of faith. And now we'll spend some time on the story of this nameless widow in verse 35. Oh, and Elijah. We'll talk about Elijah. In fact, we're going to talk a lot about Elijah as we get into this text. So Hebrews 11.35 says, and again, this is after all of those other stories of faith. It says, women receive their loved ones back again from death. So let's take a, take a look at one of those stories relating to this verse. 1 Kings chapter 17. It says this, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, listen to his confidence, right? this was a man of faith. He understood that he heard from God, and he was committed to obeying God. So he said, listen, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain the next few years until I give the word. No dew, no rain for the next few years until I give the word. So he declares this to the king and stands firm. Why? Because he's heard from the Lord. Number one, God directs the elements. We, we have to believe that God is sovereignly in charge of everything or he's not sovereignly in charge of anything, right? We believe that God directs the elements. He told, he told the prophet, it's not going to do, there's not going to be any dew or rain for the next few years until you give the word. We, we, we have to expand our capacity to believe God for things that maybe we wouldn't have believed God for in the past. God directs the elements. Remember Jesus calmed the storm, right? Because he directs the elements. Remember when Jesus walked on the water because he controls the elements. So he's in charge of everything. He controls everything. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to, to the east and hide by Kirith brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the raven eat what eat what the ravens bring you? For I have commanded them to bring you food. That verse tells me that God directs the wildlife. He doesn't just direct the elements, but he directs the wildlife. So he's Elijah hears from the Lord and God tells him to go by this body of water, this brook, and eat what the ravens give you, because God's gonna provide for you through the ravens and through this water. And so God directs the wildlife. How do we know this is true? Look at Noah's Ark. You ever wonder how all those animals got into the ark? I mean, how much work would it have been if Noah had to go around and gather up all of the animals, right? But this is what it says in Genesis 6.20. God told Noah, pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you will come to you to be kept alive. God directs the elements and he directs wildlife. He can direct every 
aspect and element of your life if you just let him if you just trust him he can direct and provide and take care of all of your needs back to first kings verse five five says so elijah did as the lord told him and camped beside kirith brook east of the jordan what happened you suppose the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening so i think about the people of israel wandering through the wilderness for how long 40 years, and every day they wake up and there's fresh manna on the ground. Why? Because God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do. So he's, he's providing for this prophet through the raven to bring him bread and meat every day. And he drank from the brook, but after a while, the brook dried up. Why did the brook dry up? Because there was no more dew and no more rain because God stopped the dew and he stopped the rain and it wasn't going to come back until Elijah spoke the word. And so everything that God says in his word is unfolding before our very eyes. And this is true whether we see it in our own personal lives or not. We can see the faithfulness of God unfold as we trust him and believe him doing what he asks us to do. But after a while, the brook dried up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Number three, we're seeing how God is speaking to Elijah. Number three in your notes, God directs people. He speaks to people. Then the Lord said to Elijah, verse eight, then then the Lord said to Elijah, what has God been saying to you lately? What has he been speaking to you lately? What has he been communicating to your soul lately? I think God wants to speak to us. I think he wants to speak to you. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So now no longer is the bird, the raven going to feed him, but this widow is going to feed him. And it doesn't even make sense that this widow would feed him because the widow doesn't have a resource to feed him. But this is what happened. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow. (laughs) Why? Because God was speaking to him. So it wasn't coincidence that he saw a widow. God spoke and directed that widow to do what she was doing so that when the prophet showed up, Elijah sees the widow. As he arrived at the gates of of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? And she was going to, as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, verse 12, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Why would God direct Elijah to this widow who didn't have any bread if she was the one responsible to feed him while he was there. He, he's unfolding his plan. He's unfolding his plan. It's like the, 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 the offerings of the, of the widow. She, she gave all that she had. She, she provided the Lord everything that she had as an act of worship. And now this widow woman's going to have the opportunity to do the same thing. I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook the last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. (laughs) You're, you're 
your external circumstances, your outward circumstances don't have to dictate how you deal with life. We need to, in those desperate moments, reach, cry out to the Lord and say, okay, God, I'm in this desperate place, much like Sherilyn was talking about. I'm in this desperate place. What are you going to do now? And then just watch what the Lord will do and obey. Listen and obey. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. How selfish is Elijah, right? I know you're going to die. I know you only got a little bit, but make me a little bread, right? Do you think that was Elijah, Elijah being selfish? This was Elijah being used by the Lord to test her faith. All throughout Scripture in the Old and the New Testament, we're called to give God our very best, the very first fruit of our offering. We're called to do what he's asked us to do with obedience and faith, believing that he's going to come through in a supernatural way. He said, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. There will always be olive oil and flour. For how long? As long as the Lord wills. It said it wasn't going to rain for a few years. And so God was going to take this meager bit of oil and flour and multiply it. Why? Because this is what he always does. We always see that he's in charge of, um, number four, God has power over inanimate objects, lifeless objects. God has power even over those things. We see it when he feeds the multitudes. He feeds the multitudes twice. One time he feeds 5,000 plus women and children. The next time he feeds 4,000 plus women and children. Each time they gathered up baskets of leftovers. It appears that they actually gathered up more at the end than they had in the beginning. Because God has power over inanimate objects. We need to believe that he will provide supernaturally when he asks us to do something. Our tendency is like, I'm, Lord, I'm, I'm down to the end of it. Like, this is all I've got, whether it be money or time or whatever it is, Lord, I don't have the ability to give. And it's probably in that moment that he asks you to give. In fact, I love it. I'll just say, Lord, I don't want to be tested in this, but I do love when. <laughs> Sometimes I say stuff and I get tested on it like immediately. And so I'm putting a disclaimer, Lord, I don't want to be tested in this area. But I love it like when we're at the end of our resource, either as a church or in our family, and the Lord says, give what you have left over. Give it away and watch what I will do. So a um, number of years ago, we were trying to buy this property and we tried to raise money and we couldn't raise any money. I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again because it's fun. So we had worked hard. We tried to raise money. This is like... A, $2 million property or whatever, and we're trying to raise money. We need at least, you know, 15 or 20% down or whatever. So that all of our might, we, we raised $15,000. Oy vey. All of our might, that's all we could raise, right? Hardly anything. Doesn't put a dent in things. But CCS is also raising money for their facility. So we said, let's take our $15,000 and give it to CCS. Clearly, we don't have enough money to do anything, but maybe it'll help them. So we go down the road a little bit longer, and 
And uh, this place, um, we were raising money for this place when it did come available, but it still wasn't available to us. But the house next door became available, and um, we needed to raise, I don't know, $100,000 or something like that to, to buy that house next door because it was like $470,000 or whatever. So we needed to raise like, I don't know, like 98000 whatever the number was. It doesn't, doesn't matter. God provided that money like immediately. It's like there was no effort needed at all. We, we had, um, after we gave that money to CCS, we, we just started raising money again. And all of a sudden we had $100,000 or like 98,000 bucks or something like that. So when we needed money, I need my coffee. When we needed money for that place, God provided it for us because we took our measly $15,000 that we had, which wasn't a much to us, but it blessed them, and we gave it away, and God provided and, and took care of the need for that. And then when a couple of years later, when this place became available, we needed it, we had remodeled that place, um, and the value went up like, I don't know, one hundred fifty dollars or $200,000. Um, and so the value of increase there, putting these properties together, we hardly had to raise any money at all. We raised a little bit of money that we did need to raise so that we could put the down payment on this property. So God leveraged that property so we could help buy this property. Now we owe, we own like $3 million in property. In the beginning, remember our budget was $1,500 every month, right? And, um, and then I'm going to camp out on this for a bit here. We, uh, we wanted to rent this facility. It wasn't for sale yet. We wanted to rent this space, and it was $3,000 a month. Three thousand. That's twice what our budget was, 3000 bucks. And, and we were still renting the school because we needed a place to meet while we were re- renovating this place. So now we're at 4500 bucks. About the same time, we started renting other space. And at the same time, the board said, hey, we need you on full time to... Um, to um, run the project because we're remodeling and building and painting and doing all that kind of stuff. So I came on full-time when the church had 60 people in it. And the, the church was able to pay me, plus pay this, plus pay for everything else that we were doing. And we've never looked back. That was 16 years ago that, that we made the decisions to move here and we've been able to renovate space and build space and all kinds of stuff. So God's been faithful because this is what God does, period. (laughs) He is faithful, period. And he will call us to do unreasonable things so that he might do supernatural things. Let's go back to 1 Kings. I'm totally out of time. Here, it doesn't matter. We're going to keep going. Let's order some pizza in, and then I'll just keep preaching until like three or something. Verse 15, so she did as Elijah said. <laughs> she, this is where it starts. Like, what is the Lord saying? This widow who was on her last meal preparing to die, she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, Give me your son. Then he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow? who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die. And he stretched himself out over the child three times. 
and cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. What happened? The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, right? The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Have you ever been in the room when somebody's died, when somebody has expired? It's not awesome. The person is dead, lifeless. The warmth of their body is leaving them, and they're becoming this cold, lifeless shell. It's not fun. This is what happened to this woman, her son. She's a widow. She's already lost her husband. He's dead. And then God shows up, and God restores him, saying, and brings life back to him. And he said, look, your son is alive. I share that because God has the power over life and death. And I want to say physically, but also spiritually. And some of us need to hear that spiritually. He's got power over life and death because some of you are feeling dead spiritually and God wants to resurrect your, your spiritual life. God wants to resurrect your spiritual life so that you're feeling alive again. But this is how it's going to happen. It's going to happen as you step out in faith in obedience to do whatever it is that God has asked you to do. So what I'm, I'm not even talking about the building. I, I don't care about the building. I know that God's going to take care of the building. What I'm saying is whatever God has asked you to do, the last thing he's asked you to do, go back to that thing and then watch as you obediently do what he's asked you to do. Um, watch the spiritual life in you refresh. I, I talked with a guy yesterday, uh, Friday, talked with a guy Friday and um, heard from a guy Friday. He was sharing kind of his story, and he had gone through a terrible divorce. His wife left him, took his sons, moved out of state. He had no custody. He had no ability to see his kids, and, and um, it went on like this for, for a decade. I think it was a decade. He was driving in his truck one day, and he, he felt like the Lord said, you need to call your wife's husband and apologize to him for the way that you have treated him during this, this time. And oh, by the way, you need to apologize to your wife as well. And he's like, you have got to be kidding me. And he decided to do it. So he calls his son to get his stepdad's, his son's stepdad's phone number. And he said, hey, God's done a work in my life. And I just want to call and apologize to you for the way that I've acted and the way that I've lived before you. And if it's all right with you, I'd like to call your wife, my ex-wife, and apologize to her as well. And he did. And the Lord completely reconciled that family. He didn't get remarried to his wife, none of that. But they, they had a relationship. He was able to be at his son's high school graduation, sitting at the family table. There was, his son was able to forgive him. His son had been angry with him for a decade, I think is what he said, for a decade for the way that his father had been acting. And God, through that obedience, reconciled the whole family. What does God asking you to do that seems impossible that doesn't seem like it's going to bear any fruit and it seems like something that you're not even interested in doing if god is asking you to do it go back to that you might be feeling spiritually separated from god spiritually dry because you're just flat refusing to be obedient god cannot bless disobedience he will not bless disobedience 
God can resurrect your spiritual life. He's got power over life and death, physically, spiritually. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, Mark 5, raised a widow's son from the dead in Luke chapter 7. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Jesus himself was raised from the dead. And we see Elijah raising this widow woman's son from the dead. Then the woman told Elijah, I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. So we've heard a lot of amazing stories of God's faithfulness, but the reality is, number six in your notes, God's plan doesn't always unfold as we expect. God's plan doesn't always unfold as we expect. So let's take a look at how, at how his plan, and I'll say his plan unfolded um, in, these, in the lives of these people. So now I'm not saying that God caused what happened, but he allowed it, and he's been glorified through it. Others who didn't experience the victory like we've been talking about, others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Just as a for instance, this is how the 12 apostles died. I'm going to give you kind of the the rundown here. Real, Real quickly, though, I hear so often, I want a first century Christ experience. Like people like, I want a first... Do you really want a first century Christ experience? Because what you will get is what they got. Some of our hardest decisions as Christians is, do I go to the 9 o'clock service or do I go to the 11 o'clock service, (laughs) right? Do I go to, you know, out to Mexican food afterward or do I get pizza afterward? You know, what what sporting event do I watch on the television um, afterward? You know, where where do my wife and I go out to dinner? I mean, these are the things that we wrestle with. This is not first century Christianity. This is first century Christianity. This is how the 12 apostles died. This is uh, from the, the Voice of the Martyrs, or excuse me, Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a book. Andrew was crucified. But he wasn't just crucified. He was crucified on an X-shaped cross. And he wasn't nailed to the X-shaped cross. He was actually tied to the cross to to extend the, the time that it would take for him to actually die. You're, you're hanging, and it's causing you to suffocate, and you have to push up to get a breath, and then you're, you slowly just suffocate. So while he was dying, and it took days for him to die, what, what was he doing? He was preaching to passers-by, people who would go by, watch, and mock him. He was preaching the gospel. Andrew was crucified, Bartholomew beaten, then crucified, James, son of Alphaeus, was stoned to death. Others think that James, son of Alphaeus, was actually crucified in Lower Egypt and then sawed in pieces. So it wasn't good enough that they crucified him. They cut him in pieces. You really want a first century Christianity? This is what you're going to get here. James, son of Zebedee, was beheaded, just like the uh, Apostle, Apostle Paul. John, exiled for his faith, died of an old age, but they did try to kill him. They put him in a vat of oil, boiling oil, trying to kill him. 
But like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, nothing happened to him. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fiery furnace. They didn't even smell like a barbecue. But they'd been in the furnace, right? John, the apostle John, comes out of the boiling oil. He's got no, no injuries. He will not die. While he's in the cauldron, his, historians say that while he was there, he was actually preaching the gospel. They're like, get him out of there, exile him to the island of Patmos where he can't have anybody to preach to. So while he's there, though, God's got a purpose for him. Jesus reveals the revelation to him. He writes Revelation, the, the, the book of Revelation, and the rest is, is history. Died of an old age, but after living his whole life for Jesus. Judas, not Iscariot, he was stoned to death. Matthew was speared to death, Peter crucified upside down, Philip was crucified, Simon crucified, Thomas uh, speared to death, and Matthias was stoned to death. So that's kind of, that's what happens. All these people earned a good reputation, the scripture says, verse 39. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Remember back in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16, I think we covered this week two in our studies in Hebrew. In Hebrews, it says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. And that, that's the perspective of the first century church and needs to be our perspective of the 21st century church that we are, this is not our home. We are foreigners and nomads. We're passing through with the sole purpose of glorifying God in our lives for the life to come, for all eternity. They agree that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So number six, God's plan isn't always what we expect it to be. Let me get there again. God's plan is not always, uh, does not always unfold as we expect, but number seven in your notes as we wrap this thing up, God's plan can always be trusted. <laughs> God's plan can always be trusted. So if you're at a crossroads in your life and you're just perplexed by God and what he has done or what he has allowed, go back to your big picture, long game plan and perspective and say, okay, God, Clearly, things are unfolding for me the way I think that they should unfold. What is your long game? I, I've been praying for the Methodist camp for 16 years. You guys have been praying with me for the Methodist camp that God would give us that Methodist. It's 29 acres back there for 16 years, and God hasn't seen fit to give it to us yet. Right? Things don't always unfold the way that we hope that they would unfold. Uh, difficult things have hit our family, things that we didn't expect or wouldn't welcome in in a million years. But things have happened, and we got to believe that God is in control. He is unfolding things. So don't lose heart before you see the answer. Don't lose heart before you see the answer. Did I read Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16? Did I finish that? I did? Okay. They were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them.
God is, what is God up to in your life? I know what he's up to, I think, in the church, and I'm trying to figure out what he's up to in my life as well. What is he up to in your life? Two weeks ago, I, I said, by faith, we will. By faith, I will. And we asked you and challenged you to fill in the blank. And then we had people come up and talk about by faith, they will. What is it that by faith God is taking you through and you will do? Will you choose to be obedient? Will you choose to love him? Will you choose to be faithful to him? Will you choose to do what he's asked you to do, whatever that ask may be? I promise you this, if you do that, your, your spirit, spiritually you will come alive again. Where you've been struggling spiritually, you will, you will begin to come alive like you've never been alive before. Just simply confess your sins. Say, Lord, I, I've not done what you asked me to do. I'm going back to what you asked me to do, and I'm going to do that thing. And then moving forward, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. So with that, let's go ahead and stand up, because really that's what Christianity is all about. We follow Jesus he says something, we obey it. That's Christianity. There's, if, it's, if your Christianity is something other than that, it's not Christianity. It's just not Christianity. So what is it that God is asking you to do? Speak it out. Anybody. What is it that God is asking you to do? Serve, Serve him. Good. Good. Specifically, what does that look like? Anything specifically? Yeah? All right, good. Help out. Perfect, perfect. Who else? There you go. All right. What else? Serving children. Serving children. Good. Who else? Serving marriages. Serving marriages. How long are you going to do that? Until I die, he says. What else? Healing the sick. Healing the sick. Awesome. What else? Preach the gospel. So real quick, David's the one that prayed for my knee. I'm running, I've been running ever since, so it's a win, brother. Good for you. Good for God. What else? Teaching Bible says, is there anything new that you feel like the Lord's put on your heart? Anything new? <laughs> all right, all right. Giving, giving more each week to what God is doing in the church. I repeat so that people online can hear and see people other places. What else? All right. Awesome. Awesome. Just make, make yourself available for media skills. No, mediation. Mediation. Okay. Now, okay, good. Mediation. Well, thank you very much. What's your name? Donna. Donna. Welcome. 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 What else? Anybody else? There's got to be something burning in you right now that you're afraid to say. You're afraid to say it. That's it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, a catalyst, helping people to be helping to be a catalyst so that people might share the gospel downtown. Very good. Something else just burning in your soul that you know if you don't say it, you're not going to be obedient to it. Helping with the coffee. Helping with the coffee. Awesome. <laughs> That's wonderful. We need more of that, by the way. More more coffee helpers. Anybody else on the platform? Anybody? Come on. There's got to be one more. Like big thing that the Lord has said. One more, one more. Who is it? When he told me to forget those things 
Good. Wonderful. Good stuff. Lord, thank you for what you're speaking to us. We want to say, by faith, we're going to do that. Forgetting those things that lie behind, straining forward the things that lie, lie ahead, Lord God. So we just pray, Jesus, that you would help us by faith to step into those supernatural plans. Lord, use us mightily, we pray. Help us mightily, we pray. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship. And I cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus fled and died for me
those steps towards those things are challenging us to be brave, to be bold, to make a difference, to be salt and light in the earth, to extend your love to those around us. We thank you for this time to recenter our hearts on you, to be rooted and grounded in your word, and to spend time in your presence and with one another, lifting each other's burdens and reminding each other of the truth. So would you seal these things upon our heart? We want to be like you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for this time in your precious name.